Welcome back to Life Ed Conversations, how to talk to your kids about podcast series. This is our third of four podcasts on sexual health, where experts offer top tips on how to talk to your kids about sexual health in an age-appropriate way. In this episode, Dr Tess Opie from In Your Skin will be interviewing Dr Jackie Hendricks from Curtin University. And Jackie's going to be talking about what the research is telling us about how parents and caregivers feel about sexual education programs at school, what are the parents' concerns about these programs, and how do we have better conversations with older teens. You can read more about Tess and Jackie's work in this space at the podcast links. Welcome, Tess. Thanks, Gildy. I would like to introduce Dr Jackie Hendricks. For the past 15 years, Jackie has worked in research for various departments at both the University of Western Australia and Curtin University. She currently lectures in the sexology program at Curtin University, supervising PhD and master's students and is involved in various research projects. Welcome, Jackie, and thank you for joining us. Thank you very much for having me. Jackie, I know that you've been involved in some national research recently which has considered, I guess, parental and caregiver perceptions of school-based RSE or relationships in sexuality education. What does that research tell us about how parents and caregivers feel about this education? Yeah, so we recently um, conducted an online survey. Um, It was nationally representative with more than 2,000 responses from across the country. Um, And all of the parents and families that responded to the survey had a child who was currently enrolled in either a primary or secondary school. Um, And front up, we asked them, how supportive are you of your school teaching students about relationships and sexuality education? And overwhelmingly, uh, 90% of parents were incredibly supportive of this sort of content being covered in schools. And I guess for parents who who might not feel overwhelmingly supportive, um, what were some of those concerns? So the actual percentage of parents who disagreed was actually quite low. So it was only uh, 4% who said this wasn't a topic that should be covered in schools. Um, but in our survey, we also had a, not only do we ask them how supportive are you of RSE in schools, we actually had 40 different topics that we showed the survey respondents. All the different things that we've already discussed, you've heard both Vanessa and Anne speak about. Um, and we asked parents to tell us, do you think this specific topic should be taught in a school? Um, And for the vast majority of those 40 topics, the level of support exceeded 95%. Um, So there was just a very small handful of issues um, where parents had some reservations. But even for these issues that I'm just about to name, it was only, you know, perhaps five, maybe 10% of parents feeling these specific topics shouldn't be addressed. And they were things like gender diversity and gender identity a little bit of uh, discomfort around sexual orientation and a little bit around uh, sexual pleasure and masturbation. And so um, did parents seem supportive of discussing online pornography, for example, in the classroom? Absolutely, exceeded 95%. Um, The other thing we actually also asked was the actual year level that all of these 40 topics should first be addressed. And what was really interesting is there was absolutely a small handful that they felt should be addressed in the really early years um, and in primary school, so communication skills, friendship skills, learning about emotions, body parts and puberty. But every other topic that we gave parents to consider, they actually wanted schools to first address those in grades seven and eight. 
Um, so even online pornography, they wanted it to be addressed in the really early years of secondary school, which is interesting because we know, um, Anne has already spoken about the wide variability in provision across the country. But typically we find that when schools do deliver a, a nice and comprehensive RSE program, they will really hold off until those last years of secondary school to talk about some of these um, more tricky topics. And parents are actually saying, we want you to get in there early and, and talk about it sooner. I often feel that, you know, in my experience working with schools, they're worried. Um, a lot of schools are worried about parental backlash, particularly, I guess, in the context of online pornography. And yet when we run a parent information session, we provide parents with, with access to resources for, you know, further support and advice. Um, parents tend to express feeling overwhelmingly relieved that someone else perhaps is starting this conversation and they can just, I guess, continue that at home or revisit that. Um, so your research certainly made a lot of sense to me. I guess another question is, and Vanessa has sort of touched on this as well, but when we're talking about perhaps parents of, of, of middle school age students, um, of perhaps senior, senior school students as well, um, what, what strategies do we have or how do we encourage parents or caregivers who might feel reluctant towards the program? So that very small sort of 4% that you talk about, that often sometimes can be perhaps quite a vocal minority and so that's sort of what the school tends to hear and perhaps the broader parent community. What strategies do we have um, to help those parents and caregivers see the value and the benefit in programs like this in terms of sexual health and safety? Yeah, I think you're right. I think sometimes it's just this very vocal minority that can derail an entire program and that's, you know, very unfortunate. We need to be having conversations with those parents and families about what issues they specifically have. Um, and if we can deliver 90% of the program, I think that's better than, than basically not offering it at all. So trying to give as much as possible. I think whenever a parent expresses concern that this topic is going to be addressed in schools, something really useful for a school to do is to actually just show the curriculum materials, show the learning resources, because often when you have a frank conversation with the family about what topics are going to be covered and the videos that are going to be shown, for example, that actually alleviates a lot of anxiety. Um, again, parents will then feel more um, comfortable and equipped to have some conversations at home. So I've often found working with um, teachers, I really encourage them show the materials to your parents and and the feedback is that a lot of the time that's enough um you've also got to explain to those families that if we move pull your child out of the classroom and they miss out on the content we can't control what conversations then happen in the playground at lunchtime they're going to get this information from their peers they're going to continue to be exposed to information through social media and online engagement as well you really just want to support that family to say, well, we want you to share your perspectives with your child. Tell your child what it is that you expect um, as they develop into an adult, how they you expect them to engage in relationships and intimate partnerships with other people. Um, we do need to be respectful of religious and cultural diversity. We need to bring those stories in. We need to bring those perspectives in. Um, and perhaps the school's not equipped because they don't have a lot of experience with those particular backgrounds and that, that's the role of the family. I agree. And I often think that um, that element of uncertainty regarding program content is what can feed some of that reluctance. And, and like you're saying, you encourage teachers to sort of share that content, you know, perhaps with their parents. Um, 
And it's like Vanessa said earlier, you know, if, if, if there might be a parent or a caregiver who's really worried about their student in year four or the young person in year four learning about consent, well, it might be as simple as Vanessa saying something like, well, actually, we're talking about consent in negotiation in the context of what friends might do together, whether they watch a horror movie or a comedy or whatever it might be. Um, and I think that, you know, having more concrete information around program content can, can be incredibly useful. Yeah. So if we step it up a notch and we talk about older students and young people, I guess my question to you, Jackie, is how do we navigate or manage or have some of these conversations with our teenagers? So what do the conversations look like when we're talking about young people aged between, say, who might be 13, 14, 15, 16, 17 perhaps? I think it really just builds on the tips and the points that Anne and Vanessa have already raised. So it's just embracing those teachable moments and there's so many of them that we can use. Um, And it's about trying not to lecture to your child. I love what Vanessa said previously about sometimes it's explaining things to your child, but it's also really effective just to have your opinion vocalised, just to say things on the fly sometimes. That makes it very clear to your teenager your adolescent that you're open to talking about this that you don't have shame or embarrassment Um, and if you do have a little bit of shame or embarrassment or you don't know an awful lot be honest be authentic with your child be be comfortable and say this was not something that was spoken about in my family when I was growing up I'm trying to do a little bit better I want you to realize that um, I am an approachable parent I do want you to speak to me about these things Um, You just really want to prepare the child for the life that they're currently faced, the peer relationships that they've got, perhaps the romantic relationships they have or they're thinking about, and trying to prepare them ahead of time for inevitably that stage when they do find themselves in romantic um, romantic and intimate interactions with other people. You want them to have really healthy, enjoyable experiences. Sometimes the conversations we have really focus on the fear Um, we're trying to prevent assaults, we're trying to prevent diseases and pregnancies. Let's try and be a little bit more positive in our tone and our language, um, telling our young people the sorts of relationships and interactions we want them to have, that sex and intimacy, romantic relationships should be fun and enjoyable. That's what we want for them. This podcast was brought to you by LifeEd SA and created on the land of the Ghana people. We would like to pay our respects to the Elders past and present and extend that respect to all First Nations people that may be listening today.